you would to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, if you're using the black Bibles there in the chairs, it's page 567, Matthew chapter 1. In November 2010, USA Today reported that money is the number one stressor of American adults, particularly uh, during this time of year. Now, now I want you to think about that because they went on to say in the same article that in 2010, consumers, they were estimating that consumers would spend $465 $465 billion at, during the Christmas season. You think it's gotten any worse? <laughs> you know, we, we experience the pressure, the hurry, the anxiety, the, the push, push, push toward everything and it really pushes us more to irritability than it does goodwill toward men, does it not? <clears throat> we fix up our houses, we hang lights on them, we put decorations everywhere. But oftentimes, many people experience darkness during this time of year. There may be even someone here this morning that would say, I hate this time of year more than any other. And believe it or not, that is a more common reaction than you would think. Three times in the Christmas story, we are told to fear not. God's gift of peace, the birth of his son, is not meant to give us peace through the month of December, but through our entire lives. But we allow the pressures of life and events around us, and and I personally believe Hollywood has a lot to do with that, the un, un, unrealistic expectations of this season to dictate to us our happiness and our peace and our contentment. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 gives us a glimpse into God's desire for your life. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is not a portion of the Christmas story. This is God's desire for your life. Fear not. Doubt is a huge part or a a source, if you would, of fear in our lives. When when we begin to doubt, it opens the door to fear, does it not? 
the best way to describe, at least in the way I think, the best way to describe doubt in a person's life, and I've, I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in the lives of many people through the, the 10 years that Grace Baptist Church has been here. Doubt, in my definition, would be like a dark cloud that just follows somebody everywhere they go. And that cloud then leads to the embedding of fear into the hearts of people. The title of my sermon this morning, my short sermon (laughs) this morning, Doubt, the Enemy of Peace. Earlier I... I made the comment that fear not appears three times in the Christmas story. Now, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I kind of, I look at things as logically as possible. So if, if in one story you see a single phrase repeated three times, then what does that automatically, what should that tell you? Well, it's important, but that fear was present in the hearts of the people in the story. Does that that make sense? There was was doubt, and we're going to talk about that tonight, this morning, but there was fear that it was taking place in, in the hearts and the lives of people. What is the opposite of fear not? Have peace. So when the angel tells, and we're getting ready to read it here, tells Joseph to fear not, what is he saying? He's not saying, okay, don't be afraid. What he's saying is have peace. Have peace. See, that's God's desire for your life this morning. It's to have peace. A little side note here for you. I don't know if you uh, have ever paid attention to this, but the book of Matthew uh, allows us to get the perspective of the birth of Christ from, from Joseph's perspective. And the book of Luke gives us the, the perspective from Mary's side of the story. You know, one of the things you find out really fast as a pastor is there's always two sides of every story. And, and there's, you know, people have different interpretations. And, and when you read the book of Luke and the, the Christmas story in Luke, it, it, it is different than the, 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 than the accounts of, of Luke. Why? Because it's from the viewpoints of two different people. Ultimately, the story is the same, but there's, there are things in, in each story that are different. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, is what we call the genealogy of Joseph. It gives his lineage uh, <clears throat> all the way back uh, to Abraham. Let's start reading in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, She was found with child of the Holy Ghost, and Joseph, 
her husband, being a just man, not willing uh, to make a public example, uh, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, and shall save, and, and he shall save his people from their sin. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall uh, <clears throat> be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bid him, and took him un, uh, and took unto him uh, his wife, and knew her not till she brought forth her firstborn son, and called his name Jesus. Let's pray, dear Lord. Thank you so very much for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, we ask as we look at your word this morning that you would speak to our hearts and that you would help us to be more like you. Help us, dear God, to understand that fear and doubt should have no place in our hearts, but joy and peace should rule our hearts. Help us, dear God, to walk with you, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In this story, we see Joseph struggling with doubt. And, <clears throat> but to, to better understand the doubt that Joseph was experiencing, uh, there's a couple of things I think we need to talk about. The first one, point number one, is what is a spousal? Um, in, in, in our society today, we don't, truly understand what it means to be espoused. If you <clears throat> uh, uh, look at verse 19, here they were espoused, or, or uh, Joseph was and Mary were espoused, <clears throat> but then it says, then Joseph, her husband. And, and, and in today's economy, we would think, wait a minute, there, you know, I thought they were engaged. Well, espousement and engagement are two different things. And when somebody in that day was espoused, they were basically married. They just were not living together. Okay, let me let me read you a definition that I found that may help. It says, after uh, the espousal or the betrothal period of 12 months, what... Uh, uh, was allowed to pass before the marriage was completed by a formal home taking. <clears throat> okay, uh, <clears throat> what was a, a mere personal matter became, <clears throat> in time, a formal custom. So what what started out to be a preference because of the society back then <clears throat> became a formal custom, <clears throat> which was celebrated with much pomp and circumstance. At these occasions, it was customary to make out a formal contract to marry and to uh, stipulate 
that a penalty should be imposed upon either party that would fail to fulfill his or her part of the contract. So basically, what would happen when somebody became espoused, or what we would call today engaged, there was a ceremony and a signing of a contract that said that if, if, if either one of them violated the rules set forth in the contract, then certain things could happen. Does that make sense? And, and all this was done very publicly. Uh, 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 you know, t- in today's society, typically an engagement is done privately between two people and then, and then it get, hits Facebook and everybody finds out about it. But in, in this society, it, it was done completely different. And they were considered husband and wife because of the contractual agreement that, that took place. The espousal period made for uh, a period of time to, for lack of better terminology, to prove that uh, the female was not pregnant. That's That's why the period. Number two. So we understand, get get a little bit better understanding what a spousal means. Uh, Number two, let's talk about Joseph for a minute. Who who was Joseph? And I've heard heard people say, well, we don't know anything about Joseph. You know, he's just kind of this obscure person in in Bible history. Can you put number two up? (laughs) No problem. So who, who was Joseph? And on the surface, we don't really see a whole lot. But there are some things that we know about Joseph. So what do we know about Joseph for sure? Number one, we know by verse 19 that he was a just man. And God calls him in verse 19 a just man. The, the, the word just there means upright, righteous, or uh, virtuous. He was a good guy. Okay, we know that he was from Nazareth. We know that he marries Mary. We know that he is the stepfather to Jesus. We know that he is a carpenter. We know that he loved Mary. But his most important characteristic we see in verse 24, and that is that he was obedient to the will of God in his life. Then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Joseph was concerned about doing the will of God in his life. So let's talk about some of these characteristics that we do know about. Number one, it says that he was a just man. But what that means literally is that he, he demonstrated a willingness to obey the law. Okay, you got to understand, Joseph and Mary did not live in the New Testament, even though they're mentioned in the New Testament. What time period basically did they live in? They lived under the law. They lived under the Old Testament economy. 
And, and, and what this is saying, but by saying he was a just man, is that he lived by the law. I found it interesting also that there's another man, in fact, there's a couple, but one man in particular that God called a just man. We see it in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a what? Just man. God puts Joseph in the same category as Noah. Well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't lean forward like that. <laughs> I, almost, I almost just kept going. <clears throat> Can you imagine God putting you in the category of Noah? Think about that. They were both just men. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7, the just man walketh in his what? Integrity. This was a man that walked in integrity. His children are blessed after him. Joseph was a man of great integrity. Joseph was a man that he had to have walked with God. We don't know much about him personally, but we can understand the fact that he was a man who loved God and was willing to do what God wanted him to do. Something else that we know that he, he was from Nazareth. And Nazareth was, is kind of an interesting town, if you would. And, and I don't have a lot of time to go into it, but it, 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 the, the town itself didn't really have a very good reputation. And you think, how do you know that? Well, let me, let me tell you. In John chapter 1, verses 44 to 46, Jesus is, is, is collecting his, his disciples. It says, Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew, and Peter. And Peter findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. It's kind of like Fernley. When I was in recovery after surgery on Tuesday morning, well, no, I guess Tuesday afternoon, <clears throat> the, 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 the nurse that was helping me uh, come out of the anesthesia, uh, 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 that stuff, you know. Um, anyway, he's tr trying to talk to me to kind of wake me up. And, you know, so he, he asked me the same thing the doctor says. So what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he's like, oh, that's, that's cool. He says, where do you pastor? I said, um, Grace Baptist Church in Fernley. And he goes, oh. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Fernley. I'm, when we moved here, we, you know, people say, well, why'd you move to northern Nevada? Oh, well, we're going to start a church in Fernley. Oh, they need churches in Fernley. <laughs> like, what is wrong with Anyway. So that's kind of that's kind of the reputation that Nazareth had. It was like, oh, you're from there. Okay, okay, I got it. 
This, another thing that we know is that he was a carpenter. And and this is this is an internet. I, I I did a lot of study on this because uh, most of you know I like to uh, play with wood and 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 do things and. The word carpenter here is an interesting word. It 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 means to to not just to work with wood, but it it goes beyond that. Um, It it literally means to be a joiner, or to to be a to be a craftsman. Uh, The way the way we would term term it today would be to be a to be a master carpenter, not just a just just a carpenter. Because in our minds, a carpenter can be just somebody who bang, bangs nails. <clears throat> the, the word carpenter here goes beyond that. It, it is, it's a master carpenter, somebody who is incredibly gifted at what he does. We see in Matthew uh, chapter 13, uh, verse 55, and it says, uh, Is not this, referring to Jesus, uh, the, the carpenter's son, is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph uh, and Simeon and Judas? So, so here we see that th- this word carpenter who identifies Joseph as a master, master carpenter, somebody who is incredibly gifted to the point that the people that lived in their community and in, in their surrounding areas knew of his reputation as being a master craftsman. So so because he was a master craftsman, there are some things that we can glean, I guess you could say, out of that. Number one is that he knew how to use his head. Because a master carpenter is not is someone who can take a set of blueprints or or and build a house. Somebody who can think through problems. Uh, Joseph was not just a a, a a carpenter who who went to the job and the boss said, "Okay, do this and do this, do this." No, he was the boss. And and and, and if you if you grew up going to Sunday school, they always show. Uh, 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 Joseph as a as a furniture maker, and and that's probably not true. Uh, chances are the the word carpenter here again, it, he could have been a furniture maker, um, and, and if he was a furniture maker, it would have been very fine furniture. But it had this this word carries more of an idea of of like a superintendent on a on a construction site today. Somebody who who took charge of the job, somebody who 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 was not just a a day labor person, if you would. That's who we're talking about here. But I believe his most valuable characteristic was his obedience to the will of God. We see it, we, we read it in verse 24. Turn over, if you would, uh, to, uh, to chapter 2. And after the wise men come and visit Mary and Joseph when Jesus was about two years old, something else happens. 
And the, <clears throat> let's look at uh, chapter 2 and verse 13. And when they were departed, the wise men were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and <clears throat> take the, the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and uh, be thou there until I bring thee word. And Herod, uh, for Herod will seek uh, the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took uh, the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. Again, we see Joseph's immediate obedience. Here, here they had just been visited by these by by these kings of the from the east, the Magi, the whatever you want to call them, and and the angel comes and says, "Hey, you need to get out of here because Herod is going to kill, try and kill Jesus." So what does he do? He get he gets up in the middle of the night and he goes. He didn't argue. He went. Look at verse nineteen. And they were in Egypt for a while, and and then and then verse nineteen happens. And when, but when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take up the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. <clears throat> Again, obedience. So, we've looked at what a spousal is. We've looked at who Joseph is. Now, let's talk about the struggle with doubt. The struggle of doubt. Go back to chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Basically, they were married. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now let's stop right there. Now we have the benefit of knowing the story, do we not? But if you were Joseph... What would you be thinking? She's been unfaithful. Verse 19, And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, while doubt rolled around in his mind. As as the the things started settling in, the struggle was taking place. What am I going to do? Joseph believed his wife to be unfaithful. And before you are in any way critical of Joseph, let me say this, you'd have done the same thing. You'd have thought the same thing. Joseph was faced with a decision, and, and really there were only four options to this decision. Number one, he could complete the marriage uh, 
<clears throat> by taking uh, uh, Mary into his home, but a couple of things would have been a problem. Number one, he would have never trusted her. Am I right? And it would have been a public shame because the espousal thing, everybody knew about it. The second option, uh, he could have uh, abandoned Mary, thus bringing uh, shame upon himself and her. The third option would have been to shun her and make an, a, 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 and expose her infidelity and making by and, and absolutely shaming her in front of everybody. And then the fourth one is the one that's mentioned here in Scripture, and that would be to divorce her, to put her away privately. And and and, and let me explain what this would have, this process would have would have happened. Basically, what Joseph was leaning toward doing was to putting her away private, privately. Basically, what would have happened is there would have been a divorce, a legal divorce would have taken place with just two witnesses. Joseph would have went out and bought her a house, put her in the house, and taken care of her the rest of his life. That, that's what Joseph was contemplating doing. <clears throat> As I contemplated all of this, I thought, can you imagine the hurt, the betrayal, the anger that Joseph felt? Sadness, more than likely confusion, because he loved Mary so much. How could she have done this? All of these things rolling around in his head as he's as he's pondering these things, as he's as he's I I, I would assume praying and asking God to give him direction on what to do. As, as all of these doubts are whirling around in his head. The struggle was real. And I'm here to tell you this morning, doubt in our lives is just as real. Doubt is something that many of us are struggling with even this morning. And if you're not dealing with it this morning, I guarantee there's a really good chance by the time Christmas gets here in a few weeks, you'll be dealing with some sort of doubt and, 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 and you will need to hear from God the words, fear not. D.A. Carson wrote this. He said, but jo because Joseph was a righteous man, he therefore could not in good conscience, Mary, Mary. Boy, that's hard to say. Mary, Mary. Who <clears throat> was now thought to be unfaithful. And because such a marriage would have been a, 
an unspoken admission of his own guilt and also because he was unwilling to expose her uh, to the disgrace of a public divorce, Joseph therefore chose a quieter way permitted by the law. The law allowed for a private divorce before two witnesses. That was Joseph's proposed uh, method of, of dealing with the problem. It would uh, leave both his righteousness and his compassion intact. Now, I want to I talk about this for a second. Now, we know the story. We know that Joseph marries Mary, and Jesus is born, and so on and so forth. But I don't think we realize how difficult of a decision it could have been for Joseph to marry Mary. By marrying her, and the fact that this whole espousal thing and marriage was such a public event, everybody in Nazareth, Nazareth knew that Mary had been unfaithful. At least that's what they thought. By marrying her, Joseph brought upon himself shame. Think about that. That is why I believe God called him a just man. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. You know, there's a lot of things that can run through our heads. There's a lot of, a lot of doubt, a lot of things. But it's the will of God that matters. It's the will of God in our lives. And then number four, in, in closing, let me say this. I want to talk for just a minute about overcoming doubt. Overcoming doubt. We see in the story in verses 20 and, and, and following that, that the, the angel comes to Joseph and says, okay, this is what I want you to do. So Joseph gets up and that's what he does. And he, he, he makes overcoming doubt sound so easy. But I have a question for you. Can you be obedient and rebellious at the same time? Absolutely you can. I, 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 <laughs> I read a story. Obviously the story takes place before car seats. And those of you that are my age and older know what I'm talking about. I, I mean, I, I remember there, there weren't even seat belts in cars when I was a kid. <clears throat> See, you know, wait, somebody said seatbelt. What? What's that? You know, I remember the first car we had that had a seatbelt. It was like, I ain't using that thing. Anyway, the story of a, of a mother who was taking her young child to school and the kid kept standing up in the seat. How many of y'all remember that one? Okay. 
And, and, and the mother kept, kept telling the child, sit down, sit down. You know, if I have to stop quick, you're going to go right through the windshield. I can't tell you how many times my mom told me that. And there was one time we got in an accident and I hit the dash and, and it didn't feel too, I remember that. But anyway, so the mother's telling this child, sit down, sit down. If I have to stop, you're going to, you know, and all this stuff. And, and finally she, she reaches over and she grabs hold of the child and, and makes the boy sit down. And the boy looks at her and with a disdain in his voice and he says, well, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. How many of y'all ever been there? <laughs> okay? See, we can be obedient and disobedient at the same time. And my, my point is this. Joseph was obedient because he wanted to be. That is how you overcome doubt. It is a matter of the heart. Unfortunately, most of us live our lives like this little boy in the will of God. God comes along and says, hey, I want you to do this. And, and we comply reluctantly. Okay, I will do this. I will witness for you. I'll tell somebody about you. I will pass out a track. I'll do whatever. Only because if I don't, I'm going to feel guilty. Well, I, you, you know what? Just stay home. Because that's not obedience. And Joseph was a man who did right because it was right to do right. <clears throat> In Luke chapter 11, verses 37 and following, it says, And he, and as he spake, a certain Pharisee uh, besought him uh, to dine with him and went in and sat down to meet. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. And the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees uh, make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravishing, ra ravage, ravening <coughs> wickedness. Ye fools, do not he that make, uh, made that which is without uh, make that which is within also what is what is the picture jesus is trying to get the pharisees to understand that you know what they were they were appalled literally that jesus didn't wash his hands before he ate and jesus says you know what it's it's far more important what's going on on the inside than what's going on on the outside and way too often, particularly as Baptists, we are some of the worst Pharisees in the world today. We get so bent out of shape about what people do on the outside. And Jesus is telling us, you know what? It's not about the outside. It's about what's going on on the inside. And Joseph was a man who was concerned about what was going on on the inside. How do we know that? Well, if Joseph was a man who was concerned about what people thought, number one, he wouldn't have lived in Nazareth. He probably would have had a more prestigious position 
at a at a, at a law firm or something. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, we we don't know. But Joseph was a man who walked with God. Over overcoming doubt goes right to the heart of the Christmas story. We don't know much about Joseph's life, but we do know some things. And the thing that we know the most about Joseph was he was a man after God's own heart. Joseph was concerned about the things of God. How do we overcome doubt? We overcome doubt by giving God our hearts. Think about this for a second. Doubt, fear, confusion, all of these things were obvious in the life of Joseph because of what he assumed had happened to his betrothed wife. But peace came when he was obedient and willing to give his heart to God. Let me close with this verse. Luke chapter 12, verse 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now I understand the context of this verse is talking about money, but I'm not talking about money this morning. What I'm talking about is where's, where's your heart? Is your heart anchored in the things of this world? Is your heart anchored in the, in the hustle and bustle of the season of Christmas? Or is it anchored in doing the will of God in your life? I hope and pray that it is in doing the will of God in your life. For where your heart is, there, excuse me, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for this.